Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm talking all about postpartum health and motherhood, how to stay healthy with my guest, Stephanie Grinke, who is a Whole30 in-house dietitian and education manager. She lives in Wisconsin with her husband and two sons. Stephanie specializes in prenatal, postnatal nutrition, behavioral psychology, and holds additional certifications in perinatal mental health and fitness. She's the creator of Postpartum Reset, an online program and community dedicated to helping mums nourish their body, mental health, and relationships after baby. She's also an internationally recognized speaker and the co-host of the Dr. Mom podcast. Stephanie is committed to building a community of parents who encourage each other and share their own experiences so they know that they're not alone and have resources to feel empowered. So welcome to the podcast, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I've actually heard you speak in person. We were just talking about this. It was back in 2018, I think. It feels like two minutes ago, but it also feels like a decade ago somehow, just with the whatever's been going on in the world over the past year or so. But it was the gestational journey seminar, which is like a practitioner seminar here in the UK. It was actually in London. And what you spoke about, I found really eye-opening because I obviously knew the importance of nutrition, but particularly pregnancy and postpartum, it's like a really demanding time. And pregnancy is probably one of the biggest ordeals that the body will ever go through, if not the biggest. So it's a really important subject. And I have had the some of the other speakers who were there as well on the podcast, like Dr. Carrie Jones and Angela Heap. You all did an amazing job and I'm constantly referring back to the notes that I took during that weekend. But I would love you to share for those listening who don't know about your journey, what you do and who you are. Could you start off by telling us a little bit more about how you got into the nutrition world and decided to specialize in postpartum and like motherhood? Yeah, absolutely. That was such a great seminar. And I really miss going to those events. I know. Too soon. So I got into the world of nutrition. Um, It was a very personal issue. My dad was diagnosed with cancer. And for the first time in my life, I saw my dad cry and break down and he felt like there was nothing he could do at the moment. And as a kid, I was in my early teens. I was like, dad, like, let me help you. And I dug into like, what could I possibly do to help my dad? And nutrition was what came to mind is one thing he could control. And so I, from a very young age, developed this love of nutrition and and the power of it to heal and the power of it to see him change his mindset from feeling defeated to feeling more empowered with what he could do. And so I went to college, I studied nutrition, got my undergraduate, I had experience in all sorts of areas of nutrition from working with cancer patients to working in the NICU. And I really found my love with women's health because there wasn't a lot of people at the time talking about it and how much it impacts your mental health. And, you know, from the perspective of fertility, but also how it evolves with each life stage, I just found it fascinating. So I got into the world of nutrition in the aspect of women's health and who started coming to me was actually a lot of women who were struggling with their periods. They were athletes. Um, I was very active at the time. So I drew in a lot of patients that had hypothalamic amenorrhea 
which basically means they were stressing their bodies out, under eating and over exercising and not getting a period. Um, so that, because I was an athlete too, that population came to me first. And so I worked with them. We really focus on the power of nutrition, the power of healing, lifestyle practices, mindset, really looking at it from a comprehensive aspect. And those women became pregnant. So they became pregnant. I started to kind of shift my area of focus to learn more about how to help women in that stage. And what I found was that the information and research was really lacking. They would go on Google and get conflicting advice. They were so confused in a time where they felt so vulnerable. And I wanted to help bridge that gap from the little advice that they were getting to the information that I knew and could support them with so that they could not only feel better for themselves, but have better pregnancy outcomes. So then fast forward, I become pregnant and I experience similar things, even though I felt like I knew a lot of information when you're pregnant, it's very easy to doubt yourself and your body. And so I've developed an even greater sense of empathy for that population. Now, fast forward to postpartum. I had debilitating anxiety after my first was born. Nobody was talking about it six years ago. Um, I found it very hard to relate to others around me because I was in the military moving around every two years. I had just gotten to a new neighborhood, didn't know anybody, had my baby and was kind of like, what is happening? My world is shifting and I don't know. I feel like I can't complain because I'm supposed to be happy and all of these feelings. So long answer is where I'm at right now is because I deeply understand the misinformation that's out there, the importance of nutrition and the power of community. Exactly. We're going to touch on some of those in a bit more detail. And with pregnancy, I've had episodes, um, I had Lily Nichols on, it was episode number 21, talking about prenatal and pregnancy nutrition, which is a really great episode. Um, And she was pretty much saying the nutrition that you should be eating all the time isn't really much different when you're pregnant. So I love that she made that point. But I know that your nutrient needs do change based on each trimester. So with you, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the third trimester. So as you're approaching labor and the delivery dates, Obviously, energy levels are going to be a little bit lower and you're trying to prep for the birth of your child. So time might be a little bit short as well. Do you have any tips in particular on the third trimester nutrition? Are there particular nutrients or things that you need to be focusing on during that time? Yeah. So in that final trimester, we really want to be making sure that you have sufficient omega-3. So if we're going to pin down like specific nutrients, omega-3 fatty acids are important. Now we know that mom's omega-3 index or her overall status of omega-3 is correlated with her risk of postpartum depression. We also know that omega-3 fatty acids are shuttled um, to baby in that third trimester to help with their growing brain development. Um, Anybody that's pregnant knows you just, the third trimester, you are growing and growing and growing. And so is that baby's brain. And because many of us are consuming 12 uh, ounces of low mercury fatty fish each week, that's where a fish oil or algae oil supplement can come in play. So that's one big thing. From an overall picture of what's going on in that third trimester that might impact her nutrient stores or how she's living her lifestyle is that fatigue really hits in in the third trimester. You are carrying more weight. You might be in more pain. You might notice more swelling. Um, So from that perspective, what we want to do is make sure that mom is getting, she's working on her blood sugar regulation and working on her protein intake um, and getting those meals spaced out. So fatigue hits, what do we do? We typically resort to something that will spike our blood sugar and get us up. We're nervous. We are like cranky. We're grabbing for sugary foods. So what I talk to moms about in that third trimester is make sure that you are having nice, well-balanced meals, including protein and low glycemic carbohydrates um, every three or four hours. And this will help digestion moms are bigger if you think about in the third trimester and they have less like capacity to digest bigger volumes of food at one time so thinking about smaller more balanced meals is going to help in with fatigue with heartburn and reflux Um, it's going to help with swelling 
we know that protein is so important and needs increase in that third trimester as well. So making sure mom's getting enough protein will help with that swelling. Um, it can help also make sure that baby stays in there longer and help with the uh, risk of increased rates of preterm birth. So those are the biggest things. Um, you know, from a lifestyle perspective, we're tired, but moving our body is still so important to get baby in proper alignment. So for me, this was, I was, I worked out throughout my pregnancy, but I found in that third trimester, I really needed to focus on walking and light movement and being okay with that. Even if it's a 10 minute walk, getting your, your body flowing will help with the anxiety that many women are experiencing right now, especially in light of the pandemic in that third trimester. Definitely. And with the nausea that can happen, I know that it usually passes by the first or second trimester for most people, but apart from the regular meals, if someone's struggling with that, is there any other tips that you have? Because I know that can be a big problem. Yeah. So with nausea, blood sugar is really important. B6 and magnesium can be really helpful. I also like ginger tea that can be really helpful with, um, nausea and that's safe to have. Um, sometimes with women, they need higher dose ginger. So we'll look at that. Um, but the big things are, you know, figuring out what your triggers are and giving yourself grace if you're not eating the way that you wanted to or you were before pregnancy, um, being on a nice prenatal vitamin that includes B6 and magnesium, thinking about potentially additional sources with your provider, and then um, blood sugar and, and ginger, I think, will are the biggest players. Great. And I read in your bio, and I know that a big part of your work is through the Whole30, is that something that you do with pregnant women or is it mainly like to prep them for that or to help with and things like health issues and hormone imbalances after birth? Yeah. Um, with the whole 30, it really depends. So I never push it on anybody that doesn't want to, I definitely have people that are in the preconception period that are like, I want to do everything that I can to set myself up for success. I am going, I want to try to avoid IVF because it's so expensive, or I've been trying for six months and nothing's happened. Or I know I've been eating a very conventional, like standard American diet, we call it, you know, more refined foods and processed foods. So sometimes they want to do that as kind of like a jumping off point where they reset their body and then they figure out what works and what doesn't for them. And the whole 30 is very nourishing. It's, if you think about the principles of a healthy diet, right? Like Lily was talking about the healthy diet for pregnancy is also a healthy diet in general, for the most part, the principles of a whole 30 are something that we all should be thinking about. So regulating blood sugar, reducing inflammation, getting the most nutrient dense foods in and looking at our relationship with food in general and why are we reaching for certain foods and figuring out different coping strategies. So yes, sometimes I will do in the preconception period. Uh, during pregnancy, I, I don't really push it. Definitely not in the first trimester because everything is a little bit wonky and every day is a little bit different. So it can be hard to commit to something specific like that. In the second trimester, that might be a good time to do it. Uh, you have more energy a lot of the times. Um, the nausea has faded. Um, or in the third trimester, some women will do it too um, to help if they have joint pain or if they, they want to kind of get a jumpstart after the rocky first trimester do you have any meal recommendations so once the baby's here like quick breakfast or things to keep in the freezer or snack recommendations for people who are short on time yeah, absolutely. So I, I joke around about having one-handed meals available because especially if you are nursing or if you got multiple kids, it can be hard to sit down to like a salad or something that's a little bit more time intensive. Um, so smoothies are fantastic. Again, the big thing with smoothies are to make sure that they have enough protein, fat, and fiber. A lot of times when we're thinking about smoothies, we jam pineapple and strawberries and bananas in there. And that's great from a nutrient perspective. Like those are all really healthy foods, but if we're loading cups and cups of uh, fruit in our blender, that's going to cause a blood sugar roller coaster to happen. And that can lead to anxiety. It can lead to you wanting more sugar later on in the day and so on. So um, a well-formulated smoothie is fantastic. I like if you want to do something like oatmeal, that can be great for moms, especially if they're nursing, but we want to, again, balance that. So putting some flax seeds in there, putting some nut butter in there, um, throwing some collagen in there or another kind of protein powder that feels good. 
Um, I also like, if you want to do yogurt, um, a lot of my moms do like a non-dairy yogurt and then like a grain-free granola. That's something you can just eat with one hand with the spoon. Um, eggs are, are great. You know, you, I remember holding my baby with one arm and scrambling some <laughs> eggs and eating it with one hand, um, or even like beef sticks, like chomps are really great or new primal, um, something that has protein and fat to help with that blood sugar regulation and get those nutrients in. And what are your thoughts on like just shop-bought or store-bought frozen meals or any delivery services. I do have a lot of US listeners, so I'll try and find an alternative in the UK. There's probably not as many options, but just some good websites or companies that offer frozen or really easy to prepare meals. Yeah. So that's actually something working with the Whole30, we curated a list of meal delivery companies and not that the person has to do a Whole30, but we know that these are, um, these companies are providing balanced, really high quality meals. So I'll give you a link to put on um, the show notes for this, this website that, that does it, but I really like model meals. So I was in California, they kind of serve that part of the country. So model meals is great. Territory foods is great. Cooked is great. So those are three different companies. Um, one thing that I talk about in the, the third trimester is prepping for your postpartum. So, so many, like so much of the time, I remember I fell guilty into this too with my first is like, you're prepping the nursery and you're prepping the house, you're getting all the things done, um, which is great in anticipation of baby. But one of the best things that you can do for yourself in that third trimester is to make extras of what you're eating and freeze them. So people do this different ways, depending on your energy level and your freezer capacity. Um, but in that third trimester, if you're cooking, let's say a stew, double that and freeze half of it and put it in the freezer so that when you're postpartum, you can pull out that meal. Um, there is you know, before the pandemic, I used to have moms do like a meal prep party where they would get some of their friends over um, to help them when they were pregnant to get a bunch of meals ready to put in their deep freezer. So that can be an option if you have space to get a deep freezer to put a bunch of these meals in prior to. Um, or, you know, just setting yourself up with a meal train. So there are websites called meal train. I don't know if it I'm sure it would work in other parts, but in the US for sure it works where you can create um, the dates that you want people to drop off food in a calendar. It's completely free and you can either set that up for yourself or if you know somebody that's pregnant, you can set them, that up for them. And I remember putting, I wanted gluten-free and dairy-free and being very clear about like, here are some of my favorite recipes and here's what I would like and wouldn't like so that other people could contribute to me and I get exactly what I needed. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I've not heard of that before. I know that people like bring things around once the baby's born, but it, that usually only lasts like a couple of weeks and then everyone's, everyone forgets about the mum and is just focused on the baby. But Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and like being strategic about it too, right? Because I set my meals to be delivered like after the first month postpartum, because I knew in that first two weeks, I would have my mom in town. I know new people would be excited to meet the baby. So people were going to naturally gravitate towards coming. But then after those like two weeks, it's like, Hey, Hey guys, I'm still here and I'm still struggling. So kind of setting that schedule for later than you think you need it can be helpful. Yeah. You're like, I still need to be fed. <laughs> my body needs, and your body needs like a ton of refueling and nutrients after that time to recover pretty much. I was going to say, that's like really the frustrating part. And what, what makes me so passionate about this work is because so much of our um, values are placed on the health of baby, right? If you think about a pregnant person walking into the store and everybody's like, oh, let me get the door for you. Or they're thinking about you and catering to you and rubbing your feet when you're pregnant. And then postpartum, everybody's so focused on the baby, right? That's why they're there the two weeks. They're not really there to see you, like maybe a little bit, but they want to hold this cute little cuddly baby. And that needs to shift because baby is not going to be um, as taken care of if mom isn't taken care of. We kind of have to think about it like from the top down. Um, and there is just, especially with this pandemic, the focus needs to be on mom so much more than the baby. So um, something to consider too, if you're a guest, make sure that you're, you're not just grabbing the baby, you're saying, mama, what can I get for you? What's that whole, you can't pour for an, an empty cup or put your oxygen mask on before helping others. It's definitely true, but everyone seems to forget that at the most important time. And how does someone know the difference between so like to say postpartum, normal amounts of fatigue, waking up and feeding multiple times in the night, 
normal amounts of anxiety, being a new parent and kind of not knowing what to expect versus actually having postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression or like a medical imbalance. Yeah, yeah, this can get really blurry too, right? Because if we think about what are some of the signs and symptoms that you are experiencing postpartum depression or anxiety, it's kind of like fatigue or low mood or loss of interest in things that brought you joy or, you know, um, sometimes it's weight loss or um, it's just like having a hard time coping in that resilience factor. And often I hear moms will go and they'll tell their providers, this is what I'm feeling, right? Like in the US, we have a six week checkup, which is far too long. Um, so it can be this great area of, is this just a new parent issue? Like I know I'm not sleeping. So of course I'm fatigued and I'm so focused on baby. Of course, some of my interests have faded and yeah, I'm maybe losing weight because I'm so stressed or maybe gaining weight because I'm so stressed, right? It really can depend on the person. Um, so how you know, what I say is don't worry so much about diagnosing yourself. If you're feeling off, raise your hand and, and ask for help. And this is the hardest thing for a lot of us to do, especially women. And what I typically recommend is that um, and this is in my program too, is that new parents will print off a free handout and it's from Postpartum Support International and it's a checklist and I'll give it to you um, to put in the show notes, but it basically helps you check off. Are you feeling X? Are you feeling Y? Are you feeling Z? If you are, bring this handout to your provider or use it as a discussion tool with your provider so that they can get you the referral to make that call. I think so often we, we experience these things and we're like, well, everybody feels like that. And I remember feeling like that with my first, I told my husband, I'm tired. Like, I don't want to be a mom. Like this is, this sucks. Like this is hard. And he's like, well, that's just, yeah, being parent is new hard. This is a new shift for you. Right. And, and bless his heart. He did not mean to do this, but he completely dismissed me. Um, so having that checklist and being able to talk to somebody that can get you in the right hands or simply going to Postpartum Support International and joining some of their free support groups. Um, they have local experts that you can find in your area, and this is international, so anybody can really access this. Um, they can set you up with a therapist that really gets it. And perinatal mental health is a, a special field. And yes, therapists are fantastic, even if they don't have this training, but looking for somebody that has the certificate PMHC or states on their website specifically that they support mental health is a fantastic route. And in this world of the pandemic, telehealth has been a gift for a lot of families, right? Because the idea of going to a therapist dragging your baby out of the house when you have crippling anxiety um, was a huge barrier. Um, and now that more providers are able to give that telehealth, there's nothing wrong and no shame in saying, all right, I'm just going to call this person and see if what I'm experiencing is more than what I think it might be or what other people are telling me it is. Mm -hmm. Those are really good resources. And let's say someone, they get the support of their family and their friends and maybe a therapist alongside, but they're still struggling. There could obviously be hormone imbalances and maybe nutrient deficiencies also exacerbating the anxiety and depression. Are there any causes like known causes or risk factors that someone could maybe work on before the delivery date or before pregnancy to reduce the risk? Or is it just sometimes a random thing that you don't really have control over? Yeah, great point. So um, first I wanna to speak to you're 100% correct that a care team is the best strategy to approach us, right? Because a therapist has their scope of practice, right? They can't necessarily give you nutrition information or they're not maybe able to order thyroid labs for you or iron labs or check your zinc status. Um, so having that comprehensive care team where it's like your family or friend support, your therapist, your PCP, your OBGYN and a nutritionist, um, somebody that can really give you that quality care is what we need. And, you know, I wish that there was so many, like all over the world, just spots where women could get this comprehensive care. There's one place in New York, I believe it is the mother center, which does beautiful job of doing this, um, with support circles and all that. But yes, that is really important that it's not just one cause or risk factor or one treatment method. It is a combination. So 
I'm glad that you called that out. Um, as far as risk factors, we definitely want to look if you have a history of depression or anxiety that sets you up for risk during the the postpartum period. Um, a misnomer of postpartum depression is that it just happens after baby, when in fact it can happen during pregnancy too. And so that sometimes gets missed. So in the second, third trimester, sometimes even the first trimester right now, when you know maybe the individual didn't want to get pregnant and they are, um, that can pop up. So again, making sure that you're not just disqualifying it because you haven't had your baby yet. Um, if you are sensitive to shifts in hormones, for example, if you are somebody that has PMDD in, in the second half of your cycle, you are very depressed, you, you're extreme mood swings, you are very fatigued and just have apathy. That's something to look into. If you know that you're experiencing that now, you know, kind of keep a heads up for when you do have baby. Um, if you have a child with a very difficult temperament. So, you know, a kid with a baby with colic. Um, if you have other kids in your house that maybe have a difficult temperament, that can be a risk factor. Um, if you have financial stressors, that can definitely be a risk factor because having a baby is expensive, you know? Um, I think also having inadequate social supports is something to look out for too. So for me, I gave the example, I was military moving around all the time. My husband was deploying. That was just kind of unstable grounds. Um, and if you think about motherhood, like you want to cocoon and feel safe. And if your environment doesn't feel safe around you, that can be really um, a trigger or past trauma too. So if you think about the whole process of delivering a baby, it's a very intimate process. And if there was history that kind of led that led you to feel like that wasn't safe or you weren't safe in your body, again, that can be a risk factor. Um, and from a physiological perspective, as you were talking about, things like low thyroid. So hypothyroidism, again, can really increase the risk. Low iron status, a zinc copper imbalance. Um, those are other well-known um, risk factors. Do you love coffee, but have been told it's bad and needs to be avoided if you're struggling with hormone imbalances like acne, PMS, and period problems? Honestly, most coffee out there should be avoided because the majority are contaminated with things like mold and pesticides which can drive inflammation and those feelings like anxiousness and jitteriness after drinking. But what if I told you there was a coffee option that tastes great, is organic and mold free, and also provides healing properties from reishi mushroom spores? Enter Organo King Coffee, my latest obsession. I didn't drink it for years because it would always wreck my sleep and leave me feeling like an anxious mess. But King Coffee does the exact opposite. Don't worry, it's not one of those fake coffee alternatives made from herbs. And if you've tried other mushroom coffee brands out there, I promise this one actually tastes good and is way better and provides so many more health benefits. If you haven't already heard of the benefits of reishi mushroom or Ganoderma, then let me give you a quick overview. It's known as the king of medicinal mushroom family due to its superpowers such as supporting healthy immune balance and being an adrenal adaptogen. This means if your immune system's overactive due to autoimmunity, or suppressed because of things like chronic infections, and you're not really sure if your cortisol levels are high or low, the ratio can help to balance things out and it promotes homeostasis within the body. It's also antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, anti-inflammatory, pretty much everything that we want from a product. Because of its potency, I'd recommend starting slowly if you're someone who's struggling with more complex chronic health issues or is sensitive. If you're thinking, why can't I just take a reishi mushroom supplement? Good question. Organo use a patented process to gently crack the inner and outer shell, offering 99% bioavailability of the reishi mushroom spores. I also explain this as being like the differences with probiotics. The regular lactobacillus, bifidobacterium options that we can all buy readily in health food shops have some benefit, but nowhere near as much as the spore-based probiotics that I use all the time with clients. Wanting to give Organo King Coffee a try for yourself? Visit vivanaturalhealth.myorganogold.com. This will all be spelled out and linked in the episode show notes and also my bio link on Instagram. I really hope you love it as much as I do, but now let's get back to the show. I'd love to talk a little bit more about the nutrition side of things because I know there's like several key nutrients that are important. You mentioned 
even in the third trimester, the omega-3s for brain health. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that goes into mother's brain health as well. And her risk, maybe if she's got a lot of omega-6 or inflammation in the body, that could be a factor. So could you go through some of those in a bit more detail and maybe some foods that are particularly high that mums could eat more of? Yeah, absolutely. So when we're looking at the nutrients that are associated with depression or postpartum depression, there's a a lot, there's less research specific to postpartum depression in nutrients. Um, There's a lot more research in depression and nutrients. So it's really kind of taking a step back and looking at it from a comprehensive perspective of like, okay, what do we know are established nutrient and mood correlations and, and what our moms may be deficient in that we know could impact their mental health. So with that being said, ones that we want to look at are the DHA and EPA, um, iron, again, like we talked about vitamin D looking at mom's level of vitamin D during her pregnancy can be an indicator of her risk for developing postpartum depression. Um, so vitamin D, we're not getting a whole lot, especially with the pandemic. I mean, I know I live in Wisconsin right now. It's winter as we're recording this, I'm not going outside very often and food sources have very little amounts of vitamin D. So a vitamin D supplement is so important to take throughout pregnancy and throughout postpartum. Um, We know that vitamin D is pulled from mom's body to support her levels in her breast milk. So if she's breastfeeding, she really needs to think about not only what baby's getting, but also making sure she's repleting what's being pulled there. And so she's already low, which many people are, especially even if they're supplementing, Um, getting on a vitamin D supplement is gonna be the best option there. Zinc and copper, we know that an imbalance in, of zinc and copper can can result in mood disturbances. So we really want to look at GABA and calming the body. Um, and we want to look at our excitatory hormones and kind of calming those down. So getting that nice balance is really important. And moms um, tend to be low in zinc. So making sure that we're getting things like oysters and um, you know shellfish and animal proteins, red meat, and looking at like sunflower seeds if we're plant-based or supplementing um, in the postpartum period to get enough zinc can help with mood. What are your thoughts on vegetarian or vegan diets? Yeah, I think that they can be done well, but they need to be formulated in partnership with a provider um, because there is such a high level, like we were talking about, of nutrient repletion needed to happen in that postpartum period, any diet needs to be well formulated, right? But because we are pulling out key sources of these nutrients, we need to think about the supplementation that's needed, keep on checking levels in vegan and vegetarian and planning it well with making sure. Um, If you think about a can of oysters versus sunflower seeds, there's a significant difference in how much is in each of those and the absorption. Um, So again, just, it has to be well formulated, but I do think I am very in line with the idea of these plant-based diets and making sure there's a variety of fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds. There's more that I agree with than disagree with. Um, But again, it has to be well formulated if you're pulling out meat and, and shellfish. It just takes a little bit more effort to do. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, And then magnesium. Again, most of us, even if we're not pregnant or postpartum, are deplete in magnesium. And that's just because our soil quality is so poor and we're maybe not getting enough um, in in our diet in general. But we also know that there is a huge demand from baby for magnesium. So again, baby's pulling. If mom doesn't have enough, then what's going to happen. She's going to become depleted. Um, so somebody that's already depleted, getting pulled more of their supplies, that's an, that's an issue. So magnesium, often supplementation is required here. Yes, you can have nuts and seeds, leafy greens, get your magnesium in, but we're going to need, especially for experiencing mood um, concerns, magnesium's huge there. Yeah, you have to really try and like make it your full-time job to get enough magnesium and still the, the soil is so depleted. So you can't physically impossible, I think, to get your the necessary amounts every day. Yeah. And, and, you know, I talk about poop a lot with my um, postpartum and pregnant clients because 
if we want to work on our gut health, a big part of that is being able to eliminate daily. There's a significant gut brain association, right? And one of the first things that I talk to my clients about is, are you pooping every day? And tell me what that's like and how is it formed? And do you feel like you completely evacuated? Like, do you hear birds chirping after you are done having your stool, your bowel <laughs> movement and walking out? And, um, and if not, like we need to start there. Like that is the key to really figuring out, um, nutrient absorption and mood and just everything. The gut really holds so much power. So magnesium at night is something that I typically recommend, um, magnesium citrate, but then I will also do like a magnesium glycinate or a magnesium three and eight to make sure that we're getting the bioavailability and supporting, um, that brain connection. We know three and eight can go across the blood brain barrier. So, um, I do like magnesium. And then the final one I'll talk about is B vitamins. So specifically B6, B9, B12, um, those can all significantly impact mood. And we often need specific forms of those. And again, we can get those in our diet. Typically the animal protein sources are where we're going to get those. Um, but looking at getting methylated versions of those or for B6, making sure you're staying on your prenatal vitamin after baby arrives. So important. Prenatal is not just to make sure baby's healthy. Prenatal, I think first and foremost is make sure mom's healthy. Um, that's a, the perspective I look at it from. Um, so making sure B6 is in the form of P5P and B12 is in methylcobalamin and making sure um, B9 is methylfolate can be really helpful. So quality is important here. Yeah. I'm thinking of the postpartum period as the fourth trimester whoever decided that is yeah really accurate people think that once the baby's out everything's good but it's like a whole nother whole nother journey and sometimes a bit of a stress but mum needs some help um yeah. during that time I consider it the beginning, right? Mm. It's the beginning of this next chapter. And I call it the birth of the mom um, because you're really evolving into this new role and shifting and so much changes in how you view yourself and how you take care of yourself. And so I know I know we think that once baby comes, like that's the end. But from the perspective that I see it, it's like this is the beginning of your new 2.0, 3.0 version of your life. And I definitely want children in the future, not for another at least five years um, but I always ask mums when they're on the podcast, especially those specializing in children's health and postpartum, like what tips would you give someone like me who's listening, who, or maybe someone who's pregnant currently um, for the first time, any tips or things that you wish you like mistakes that you wish that you didn't make? So I think I underestimated the power of the community uh, that I needed in the postpartum period. I was never one to ask for help. I was a very independent kid from a young age that like, I got this, I'll figure it out. I don't really need a whole lot of people. I've never like my love language is like words of affirmation, not like time or touch or like anything like that. And so it was very difficult for me to say that I needed help and to ask for it. And I think that that's a superpower. I know my friends that they, you know, when they ask for me to do something like, Hey, can you bring me a meal? I'm really struggling to get dinner on the table this week. I'm like, you're awesome. Like, yes, I will in a, in a second. So, um, developing this confidence that it's okay to ask for help is huge. And that's something that I help people do in the postpartum reset is figuring out, okay, what are you going to need after baby comes as far as support? Because it's a lot more than you might expect. I think sometimes we're like, oh, baby's going to sleep a lot. So I'll be able to manage the things during nap times or whatever. And you're just, you're tired and you need a lot more help. So figuring out how and what you need is really important. Getting that checklist set up before baby comes. It's never too late, but if you can do that, that'd be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, community from the perspective of putting your blinders on because there's so much information that is given to you and it can be overwhelming and make you doubt yourself. And so what I typically recommend to the parents I work with is pick your, pick your like top choices. Like if you are trying to improve baby sleep, focus on one person that really resonates with you and go with like kind of what they're guiding and what your intuition says, because I bought 15 baby sleep books. I'm like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to read what all the experts have to say. And they'll always tell you something different. And then you're like, I just don't know anymore. Right. And it can be hard to go with your gut and your mom instincts when you're always seeking out other people's opinions. Right. So kind of go with those people that you trust um, and also 
lean into the fact that how you do one thing may not be what your parents did or what your best friend's doing and be okay with that and not think that you're wrong or they're doing it better. Um, but really, like, I think if I were to listen to my gut instinct a lot more than other people, I would have had a more successful postpartum. Um, and then, you know, finding your your support team. So that's one thing I really wanted to cultivate in the postpartum reset is, you know, having this community that is a safe place, an honest place. I know when I was postpartum, I was so scared to tell anybody that I like hated it some days, but to find that community that where you feel safe to be like, you know what, like nursing is just not for me. And I'm going to go to formula and have somebody be like, cool. You know what? I did that too. And it's okay that you're doing it and you're not alone. That is what we need more than anything. So, you know, finding those safe groups and their circles in your area, whether it's remotely telehealth or in person, once the world opens up again, um, is what I would say is what I would do differently. There's definitely a lot of mum shaming online. I don't know how much of your pregnancies or motherhood you share on your social media and things like that but I'm guessing it's quite stressful for people who get all of these comments and I agree that we should forget to listen to our intuition even for those like myself who haven't been pregnant when I put something out there about my health or mm-hmm. um, an opinion on something you get all of these different controversial or conflicting ideas and then you just have no idea what to do and you're just stuck like a deer in the headlights. Yeah, I mean, and that's huge when we're thinking about the isolation that you feel in the postpartum period when you're not able to go and do the things that you used to do so easily and you kind of are resorting to more of those online communities. And then when you show up authentically in the online communities and you are shamed for whatever reason, think it's it's you have like a a less hard shell when you're in the postpartum period and those things hurt even deeper. And so you will develop this, the skill to kind of like put that barrier on, but in that first, you know, month or two, some of my, my clients are like, I'm just not going to go on social media. Like I'll maybe post something here or there or share like a picture of my baby because everybody wants to see it, but I'm just too like, like not delicate because moms are awesome and they're badass, but like the shell is just a little bit less thick and so knowing yourself and also understanding that people that are attacking you or shaming you this is so much more about them and maybe guilt that they feel for their choices or something that they're jealous of than actually what you're doing more people are more obsessed with themselves than actually what you're doing so just kind of like let those people go and you know I always you know the hurt people hurt people thing there is definitely some truth to that very true Something that I also loved during your the seminar that you did was the the importance of mentioning about the fathers in all of this and how dads can also experience depression and struggle um, because of the financial aspects, maybe, or just the new changes in their life. So could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so it's very important that you bring that up. And thank you so much for doing that, because I do feel like partners um, sometimes get dismissed during all of this. And this starts, you know, even in the preconception period, right, where there is a struggle to conceive. Um, Both partners are experiencing that. That's not to dismiss or discredit the mom's pain, right? But also like acknowledging that it's hard for everybody involved. And even grandparents I've talked to who have experienced this distress like deeply. So I do think it's important to acknowledge it. I also don't want people to carry the weight of their partner's emotions too. Um, Cause that can be very difficult of being like, you know, Oh, I contributed to, like my depression contributed to their depression. But if we're looking at it from like taking a step back and looking at it from a statistic perspective, if a mom does have postpartum depression or anxiety, there's 25 to 50% chance that the partner will also experience symptoms. And it might not be full blown, but it's, you know, when you're around somebody that is really struggling, it kind of is like caregiver burnout type of thing where it can be very difficult when you really just want that person happy. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that this impacts the entire family unit um, when there is depression or anxiety, which makes it so important to raise your hand early if you think that you are experiencing these um, symptoms and, and you need help. And for partners, there are so many great resources as well on the Postpartum Support International website. 
um, Danny Singley. He's been on our podcast. He's talked about it from a um, dad's perspective. We've had mental health therapists, um, another mental health therapist on the podcast who did research on parental depression. Um, so definitely head over to the Dr. Mom podcast if you want to learn more about that. But yeah, there are support groups. There's a app, I believe it's called Padre Cadre. Um, I'll put the spelling of that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you some links. Um, yeah, I did a, a post about all the different resources, but yeah, uh, definitely there's more attention being brought. I think in June, there's actually like a um, dad's mental health day type of thing happening. Um, so it's not it's not on the mom to take care of, you know, the dad's mental health if they're struggling, but I will provide the resources so that you can kind of hand them off um, if this is a concern. Perfect. And I always end with a few questions for you specifically. So the first one is, what's your go-to breakfast? Mm, I really like this no oat oatmeal. I've been digging it because um, I do enjoy my smoothies, but when it's really cold outside, that's kind of the last thing I want. So what I do is I boil like a cup into a cup and a half of water in a saucepan. And then I put about two tablespoons of chia seeds, hemp seeds, and flax seeds, and a little bit of salt and a little bit of cinnamon. And I make that into in like an oatmeal. It's like a thick porridge. And then I will put some nut butter on top of it and some berries on top of it. And it's very filling. It gives me about 15 grams of fiber right away first thing in the morning. So again, helping with that bowel regularity and also helping with like estrogen detox and all of those type of things. So that is what I love in the morning. Um, you know what? Sometimes I will do like a uh, coffee with MCT oil and eggs with leftover uh, veggies that we've had. So one thing I do is prep a ton of veggies and I put it in a container so that if I'm making something on the stove, I can just throw the already pre-chopped veggies. So I'll put, you know, pre-chopped spinach and bell pepper and onion into my eggs. And that is something I really enjoy. You sound like a breakfast person like me. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. I definitely like to do like a 12 to 14 hour um, fast in between dinner and breakfast. But that means when I get to breakfast, I'm really ready for it. Mm-hmm. What's something that you do daily to stay in hormonal harmony? Mm, I move my body every single day and it could be a yoga flow series. If I am in the second half of my cycle and I'm not feeling as ready to or intense of exercise, it could be my Peloton. So I love, you know, doing even a 20 or 30 minute ride and jamming out to music and kind of getting like in and out of my body through that um, workout. I like walking. So I have a walking treadmill. So some days if I'm like really busy, I will just hop on that treadmill. Um, sometimes it's just going and th- having a snowball fight with my kids. But I find that if I don't move my body every day in some capacity for 30 minutes, I just am grumpy and I'm not, my brain's not firing like it should. And it's been a huge gift for my postpartum anxiety as well. I notice I'm just so much more balanced mood wise if I get movement in. Yeah, but making the mistake not to push it too much because there's all of these people trying to snap back into the quote pre-baby body and they run into burnout as a result. Absolutely, absolutely. There's definitely something about going over and above. So I think listening to that body, especially, you know, the first couple months postpartum when you're still doing so much healing, I think we think at six weeks, it's like, all right, cool. I got a yes. That means I can go run like I used to. And what I, what I often tell people when it comes to exercise is um, go slow to go well. And thinking about pelvic floor health, if you are pushing it way too early postpartum, you're going to set yourself up for a, a longer time of having to heal and repair versus if you kind of go at it slow, move your body, get into it, get a pelvic, pelvic floor exam. Um, it's just yeah, it's not something you want to have to like fight for the rest of your postpartum because you push too much. No, the last thing you want is an injury and a newborn and a lack of sleep. Doesn't sound like a good combination. No, no, no. What's something that you're into lately? So this could be health related, can be completely random, could be a product. You know what? I've been, this is so random. I've been really into Canva lately. Okay. Um, <laughs> getting your creative artistic side going. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think what held me back from sharing a lot of this information is like, I'm not a graphic designer. Right. And if I have an idea, so I'm, I don't know if any of your listeners do like human design, but my human design is a manifester. So if I have an idea, I'm like, I need to get it out right now. And, um, I love like 
I, my like mottos for life is like learn, love and teach. Like that's who defines, that's what defines who I am. And so I've been loving Canva to be able to kind of share this information and these graphics. And I think, um, you know, one thing we talk about in the postpartum reset is like your environment really like can play a role in mood and mental health too. So if you have stuff everywhere, it can make your world, like your mental health feel like it's everywhere. And so kind of having one spot where I can go and like offload my ideas into a pretty graphic really quickly and share it and help people has been something I've been really into lately. That's so cool. I haven't had that answer yet. So that's a first. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to share this because I know yeah, it's a good one. Good. And last question is where can people find more from you online? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Steph Gorinke and you can see those Canva graphics. And then um, postpartumreset.com is where my program is and you can um, sign up. I'm hoping by the time this airs, it is all set to go, but it's been a program that I've created for um, over a year now. I just poured my heart and soul in and it's the program that I wish I had after I had my baby to really understand, okay, what now? Um, in this fourth trimester can I do to take care of myself well and have that community that would not shame me and wouldn't be like I had to defend myself at every corner. It's so great that you're doing that and I know that there's a lot of people listening right now who have really benefited from this information even if they're not pregnant I know that in the future if they decide to they've got this information to refer back to so thank you so much for being such a wealth of knowledge and sharing your expertise with us today. Thank you for having me this is so fun. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you would love a free copy of my hormone-friendly recipes guide, please leave me a rating and review and I will email you a copy as a thank you gift. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review and send it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. This guide contains delicious gluten, dairy, grain and refined sugar-free recipes and all the meals contain specific hormone superfoods. Don't worry, there are no boring salad recipes included. Come and say hi over on Instagram at Viva Natural Health as I share a ton of free content every day and you can get to know more about me and how I stay hormonally healthy. If you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk for my blog and many free guides which cover everything from clearing acne to gut health and hair loss. If you're ready to identify and address the root causes of your hormonal issues, whether that's acne, PMS, PCOS, hair loss or problematic periods, take that first step today and apply for an enrollment call on my website. We'll use this call to discuss the steps that you need to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony and how I could help you get there. See you back here next week for another episode.